we don't really enforce it. It's more just a tool for us to. It's just a filter. So you exactly. basically, even the fact that you may get charged, it will eliminate the tire kickers. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So for us, like by the end of six months, we'll just send them an invoice. If they don't pay us, then you know, <laughs> uh, it's um, unlucky. We're not going right. to. Okay. Hopefully, none of your borrowers are listening. Don't listen to this if you're from New Zealand. Turn off this <laughs> podcast. I'm just kidding. So they're not going to listen to the show if they're not in the mortgage industry. Be like, why would you listen to this? <laughs> The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a top rookie who's making waves, find out how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. And today, I talked to Ziyang Cheng. And so you're going to be like, Scott, this guy doesn't sound like a rookie. So hear me out on this. So he is a mortgage advisor in New Zealand. And so I had a couple of New Zealand guests recently, which have been super interesting, but he did 170 million last year, which is not realistic for a new person, but the company that he was with actually feeds him business. And there was still a ton of great gold in this episode. So now a couple of things on this first, he started the mortgages five years ago as a client care specialist, which by the way, is actually a great way to enter the mortgage business. Cause you get to learn sort of from the back to the front of the business. He learned the underwriting and then got into sales. So that's not everybody's path, but it can be a very effective path. And as I said, this company gives him leads. Now, even though he's in New Zealand, we walk primarily through file and client management, which is useful for Canadian Americans. We cover why when starting out, he needed to say yes to everything, but he eventually reduced that. Talks about how to eliminate uncommitted clients, which I think is a fantastic strategy. He also shares a strategy that they use to prevent people from kind of wasting their time. And it's a pre-approval fee. And then it gets refunded if you do a mortgage with them in the next six months. It's kind of interesting. Depending on where you are, that may be illegal, but it's an interesting concept about getting a client to commit so that you don't spend time with people that are not committed. And there's many ways that you can do that. You don't have to necessarily charge a fee, but you do need to get commitment. And so I thought that was really useful. In the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Ben from Bloom on using reverse mortgage for debt consolidation. So reverse mortgages for refinance, which he's been seeing a lot of. And before we jump into this, though, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform that is absolutely easy to use for borrowers as well as brokers. It's got smart docs, so it knows what documents your client's going to need. It's got smart submission notes, so it knows what your lender needs. And it talks to Lender Spotlight, which is the best tool for searching rates, guidelines, and it's all seamlessly works together. Check them out. I know that they have been growing exponentially month over month, week over week, and uh, in the Canadian mortgage market. Check out finmo.ca and check out this conversation with Ziyang. Hey, Ziyang, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey, so, you uh, I'm fantastic, man. Tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, I'm from New Zealand, a small country in the Pacific Ocean. I mean, I think most Canadians, <laughs> they may be, they don't all know. I think we know it's New Zealand. It's just southeast of Australia. Yeah, so I'm from New Zealand and yeah, I've been a mortgage broker for just over a year now. And yeah, I'm 29 this year. <laughs> and so how did you get into the mortgage business? So like most people don't start in kindergarten being, hey, I want to be a mortgage advisor. Yeah, that's right. there, so. Yeah, so basically outside of uni, I worked in a personal loan and asset finance company as a credit assessor. I was pretty extremely overworked and I paid a pretty basic salary. So well, I was extremely grateful for the opportunity, but what I discovered about myself, you know, while working at the company was that I consistently outperformed my peers in terms of sheer numbers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the overperformance didn't really result in any form of recognition or remuneration. But in actual fact, there was a bigger, you know, 
expectation placed on me. So yeah, I questioned myself whether what I was doing was suitable. So I began looking into different career pathways. Yeah, one day I came across some marketing content from our company, formerly known as uh, iRefi. So personally, I instantly connected with the content and the idea of you know financial freedom and making the right choices sort of resonated with me. In my previous job, I would you know put people into bad debt, you know car loans, personal loans, etc. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be that person who could help people achieve their you know maximum potential. So that got you into the mortgage space, and then when you started at it's Mortgage HQ now. That's you right. St- what was your role there before you became an advisor? And for yeah. my listeners, a mortgage advisor is equivalent to a mortgage broker, or mortgage agent, depending on your location. Essentially, yeah. you're commissioned salesperson but yeah how did you start out Correct. at mortgage HQ? yeah yeah so i guess when i first started i always had the vision to be a mortgage advisor but obviously you know you can't just start and have that sort of experience so i started off as what we call a servicing advisor which is basically helping your senior advisor with the renewals and helping them as an assistant as a way so mm-hmm. we book in meetings for them and we also help people with their fixed rate all of it so, that was so yeah we would call it like a client care specialist or yeah. basically you're helping somebody get the files done and then did yeah. you go from there to learning the underwriting or when did you learn how to like actually like look at the credit and the documents? Yeah. And stuff? I'd say I did that for a, maybe a year and a half. And obviously throughout that year and a half, I had some exposure to the underwriting side of things. But then after the year and a half, I got put into the next team, which is called Settlements, which is how you guys would say underwriting, right? Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And I was in there for like maybe a year or so. And then I became an advisor. Okay. And so can you share, because I always love, you know, especially talking to newer agents and I know you have different policies, but a file that you lost, but now looking back, you'd be like, oh, I know how I'd handle that because there's always a lesson in it. Yeah. I mean, um, I was thinking about that question, but it's quite hard to (laughs) pinpoint one file. So personally, I'm actually a bit more selective when it comes to clients I take on these days. So a lot of previous clients that I lost were due to either not getting enough buy-in from the client at the start or, um, you know, not putting the best application to the bank. So these days, you know, I would try to keep the clients if I don't think it's going to be a successful application because I've seen, you know, hundreds of applications. I know what is going to be likely successful and what's not. So, you know, previously I would just take everything on, you know, anything and everything. And that would actually burn me out because I get a lot of tough applications, although it might not be the easiest client to deal with and it might not be the easiest application itself. So, yeah. Right. Okay. So that's true even in Canada or the US. So you said you got to get buy-in from the client. So like, how do you know you have buy-in? Yeah, that's a good question for me. It's interesting for us because we don't push our client to do a lot of pre-approvals. So previously, if a client wants to buy a house, a lot of the times we actually push them to get a live sales and purchase agreement with a 10-day finance clause. I'm not sure if you guys have the same thing in yeah. Canada. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, that can, may have no clause to financing. They can yeah, it's exactly. written into the contract, but yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, for me, I'll do a pre-approval if I have to. If the client's going to an auction or, you know, if the client's if we're trying to push out the limit on their pre-approval. But most of the time, I'll give them the budget, do a really uh, you know, comprehensive assessment on the situation. I'll tell them, hey, look, this is how much you can borrow. You don't actually need a pre-approval until you know you find a property. So if the clients, you know, they still want a pre-approval, then we might get it. But if the clients at this point, you know, they feel like it's not gonna be their thing, <laughs> then they yeah. won't proceed with us. Yeah. And they might want to go to a bank or another broker. Okay, so I got a couple questions on that. So yep. when you say you're not going to do a pre-approval, but you do an assessment, are you still reviewing documents? Like how much are you actually looking at? Nah, because- no documents. I ask 
the questions. I mean, sometimes I'll review their bank statements, but for us, I guess it's the same everywhere, right? Like the assessment is just your income minus your expenses. So we get them to complete an online profile. So that profile will basically ask us for everything that we need, right? So income, liabilities, expenses, and we go through that yeah, very comprehensively. So generally speaking, I think it's going to give us a pretty good understanding of the client situation. I don't know if Kiwis are just better with money than us, but I find that my clients, at least in Canada, they don't even know sometimes they make because like, yeah. they don't know that that one-time bonus yeah. doesn't count as their income. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. it's kind of like when you ask somebody how good of a golfer they are, everybody always says, yeah. they're better. oh, I can hit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hit 250 <laughs> yards once downhill yeah. with the wind behind you. And yeah. so how do you navigate that? That borrowers don't always know the um, right information. Yeah, I guess it's just about asking the right questions. Because the meeting that we have is like 45 minutes. So within that 45 minutes, we get a great understanding of where the clients stand. And, you know, with New Zealand, we're not really big on, you know, credit. Credit is not really a big thing for us. As long as you have, you know, the serviceability and as long as you have the equity. Oh, really? You don't have like credit scores and stuff? We have credit scores, but it's a very, you know, the banks aren't really big on credit scores in New Zealand. Like having a credit card or personal loan is not going to kill your credit. (laughs) Okay, interesting. That's not here, man. Your credit score is going to determine your interest rate. They treat it like wow. it's like God. God wow. said you deserve a 6% yeah. interest rate. Yeah. You know, if that's how God sounded. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Completely uh, different okay. with us in New Zealand. Yeah, we right. don't so, really okay. have that. You don't have that. So then I guess it makes yeah. sense because with credit, it can really affect everything. So if you yeah. eliminate that as one of the variables and you just need to look at income and expenses, uh, expenses then maybe that makes it a little easier. Okay, so you don't review yeah. them. And, and from what I understand, when I was chatting with David from New Zealand, the yeah. auction process and stuff is crazy. Yep. So you basically give them some kind of, okay, this is what it looks like. When do you think you don't have buy-in? So let's say, yeah, okay, you're listening to this and you're like, well, Scott, that's not how it works yep. where I am. Don't yep. worry. I still think that this is useful. Yep. When do you think, yep. I don't think I have buy-in? That's a really great question as well. So what we've implemented is we have a unused pre-approval fee. So basically on that first meeting, we say, hey, look, for a complex application, we're going to charge you $350 if you don't end up using the pre-approval. So a lot of the times people, they might just want to come to us and they want to test the waters and see how much they can borrow, but they're actually not really that committed into buying a house. Oh, so yeah, yeah. in those situations, then if we tell them, hey, look, you got to pay for this if you don't buy a house, then a lot of the times, you know, they might not go ahead and there's no buy in there, which is quite good at the same time because, you know, they save us a lot of time. If we put that in place here, I guarantee you, it would make a huge difference in the quality. We'd have fewer yeah. clients, but we'd have better quality. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So depending on where you are, I know that in some, you know, prop regions, it's illegal to do that because it's yeah. kind of like some people just be like charging fees to talk to people and yeah, not actually yeah. <laughs> not even be able to do the mortgage. But and then I assume if they do the mortgage with you, the fee gets refunded or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they don't pay settlement. Fees. They get settled with you then. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is that they don't pay anything unless the pre-approval expires. If it expires and we renew it once, so they've got a six-month window to look for a house. So we get a three-month approval. How do you collect it? So that's a great idea, but how would you collect three hundred fifty bucks? You have a credit yeah, card or something? That's a great question as well. I mean, for us, we don't really enforce it. It's more just a tool for us to. It's just a filter. So you exactly. basically, even the fact that you may get charged it will eliminate the tire kickers. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So for us, like. By the end of six months, we'll just send them an invoice. If they don't pay us, then, you know, (laughs) 
uh, that's um, unlucky. We're not going right. to. Okay. Hopefully none of your borrowers are listening. Don't listen to this. If you're from New Zealand, turn off the <laughs> podcast. I'm just kidding. So they're not going to listen to this show if they're not in the mortgage industry. Be like, why would you listen to this? Okay. I know some mortgage brokers that use filters as a way to yep. like identify. And one of them is Jim Lucas, who's a huge producer. He'll yep. do about 250 mortgages himself a year. And his yep. two guys will do another couple hundred each. And he says he always asks for a credit card for the appraisal. Uh, even if they don't need an appraisal, even if an automated appraisal works. And what yeah. happens is, is that when somebody gives you their credit card info, that's a commitment. It's like, I'll give you yeah. my sin. I'll tell you my birthday. You can have anything. You're not giving my credit card number. There's another level of intimacy getting a credit card. And yeah, what happens sure. is, is that the people that if they're not willing to do it, he knows they're wasting his time. And so it's yeah. like, next. But if yeah. <laughs> they're willing to do it, then it shows a commitment. So just like your clients, if they're not willing to agree, do they sign something saying they agree to that? We send them an email. And we'll stipulate like, you know, what we sort of discussed. So they will say they agree and acknowledge the terms and conditions of the email. So they won't need to necessarily sign it, but, you know, they would acknowledge it over email. They acknowledge that they got it. Okay. That makes yeah, a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Th that was actually very useful. So if you guys are listening to this, this is useful for Canadians and Americans in terms of just making sure that people have buy-in. So, you know, yeah. as a mortgage broker, there's two skills you need to master, sales and underwriting, which was harder for you. I would say sales is definitely more important and harder. You know, there's like no ceiling for sales, right? So, you know, I'm learning every single day as well with sales. So, what I've realized is that it's a numbers game for sales as well. So, you can't convert every lead. So, a good measurement is like the close rate over a period of time. Yeah, definitely sales is harder. Underwriting is probably, it's not easy, but it's, you know, anyone can learn it. If you just put in a bit of time. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I think that that's the reason the banks pay us. I mean, the banks spend money on marketing and advertising. Like I think in, at least in Canada, Scotiabank, yeah. they're a big bank and they sponsor arenas and stuff and yeah. they have the money, but they can't get into every nook and cranny of a community. They can't build those relationships. And so right. mortgage brokers use Scotiabank more than any other bank. Yeah. And so it's the same idea is that you build a relationship, you build trust, and you have to be a very good salesperson. And if you don't like the word sales, replace it with service, which is what I tend to think. <laughs> Like sales yeah. is, to me, you know, it's about serving. Okay, so what are three things you did early on to help you be successful in your first year? Yeah, I'd say lots and lots of hours. Just trying to take on everything that comes to me. And that's where the learning happens. So the learning happens where you get the, the clients, where you get all the challenging applications and the pushback from the banks and a lot of calling and prospecting, a lot of follow-ups with clients. And also, I got to give credit to the booming market last year <laughs> or last yeah, year. Yeah, everybody, you know, had a benefit from that. I mean, yeah. one of my friends, Ron Butler, says if you're in a business and you didn't go up by 54% last year in Toronto, you went backwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're at least basically saying you're a loser. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, lots of hours, put in the time and then say yes to everything. Take lots of swings at the bat. You don't know what's going to work. And there's so much learning yeah. that happens from a lot of yeses. Yeah, I would say at the start, that's really important. Because you need to expose yourself to a lot of different applications and different scenarios. But as you get into a position where, you know, you've got more business and, you know, clients coming to you, then I think it's quite important to be more selective. Right. Agreed. Okay. So that's the first thing. Lots of hours. Say yes a lot to figure out your niche and what works. What would be the second thing you did to be successful? Yeah. A lot of calling and prospecting. So, yeah. In our company, we get a set of leads and basically the clients have expressed their interest with us through an online calculator. So that calculator shows them how much they're able to borrow. Also, they enter the details into the system. So we give them a call and find if there's an alignment between what we can offer to what they want. Mm -hmm. So do you ever get call reluctance? I mean, these people are saying they're oh, interested, but how have you overcome it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That happens 
quite frequently, even today. You know, it's not nice, you know, settling all these loans and then you find to make a call to someone and they tell you to go away. But for me, I guess it's just understanding the bigger picture and thinking of it as a numbers game. And also having a morning coffee always helps <laughs> with the cold yeah. reluctance. Caffeine is good for call reluctance. Yeah. It cures all. Yeah, and you just have to kind of, you know, push through it. So, um, yeah, exactly. all right. So lots of hours, say yes to everything to figure out calling, prospecting, you know, yeah. and then what would be the third thing that helped you be successful? Yeah, like I said, the booming market, right? <laughs> right. So well, yeah. not, that's not myself. Oh, I guess just learning. Because for us, like our business, we're not solely focused on the mortgage side of things. Obviously, that's how we get paid. But a lot of our clients come to us for, you know, financial advice around property investment, how to grow their portfolio, how to optimize their portfolio. So, yeah, I guess for me, what's really important is trying to learn from the best and trying to upskill my advice piece. Yeah. Always be yeah. learning, basically. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then, so if you don't mind me asking, so what did you do last year for mortgage units and volume? The last calendar year, I said 170 million. 170 million? Yeah. <laughs> in your first year. Oh, my goodness. And uh, uh, how many year, mortgages is that? Oh, I'd say that's probably like maybe 20 a month. So it's like, yeah, maybe 200 plus, I'd say. Right. Yeah. And so the company basically is, does the marketing. Blandin from Mortgage HQ is doing the yeah. marketing. And then Great. you're the salesperson who has to like chase those down. Dude, that's incredible. Like yeah. you touched on earlier that you're working at a company where you didn't get any upside and that you just, you always seem to be at the top end and work yeah. people. Yeah, so that's right. I think obviously that's amazing. So, I mean, it, you are on the rookie mortgage broker podcast show. Most rookies will be like, really? 170 million of those, but that's crazy. So that's super yeah. Oh, cool. I guess, uh, I think it's, you know, the house prices in New Zealand are quite high as well. So I guess that helps. <laughs> the average loan size for us would be maybe around like seven, $800,000. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what it is in Canada, but like in New Zealand, an average house in, say, Auckland, which is where I live, it's the equivalent to like Vancouver and Toronto and Canada. But our house price is like $1.4 million as a wow. as an average. Yeah. Yeah, we're not that high where we are. Like, yeah. But it's up there. Like, I'm outside of, I'm not in Vancouver, but yeah. okay, that's super cool. Any other advice you'd have for new mortgage brokers starting out? Yeah, I think the main thing is the outreach. Eh? 20 calls a day is what I've been taught. And if you want to be successful, I guess, you know, it's about being consistent with those numbers every single day, 20 calls. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally is critical. Okay. So I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions. You can answer with shorter answers sure. if you like. What's yeah. one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I play League of Legends. <laughs> oh, are you like on a team or something? I think there's teams in that, right? Yeah, there is. I actually was before, but not anymore, obviously. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, maybe Mortgage HQ. It should be like a mortgage league. of. I don't, I've never played it, but... I bet you, you could actually start one, like a mortgage broker League of Legends where you have like a team of more play against real estate agents. Yeah. <laughs> What's a movie everybody should watch at least once? The whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that series. I yeah. read that to my kids, that books, when they yeah. were young, all yeah. of them. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it was before the movies really were a thing. And yeah. when the movies came out, I was like, it was way more terrifying. Yeah. Like the orcs in my mind, yeah. they were just like, ah, oh, yeah. Like, but the movie actually, so it's kind of interesting how... You see yeah. <laughs> something in your mind from a book, but then the movie is different, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The movies were great. So what's a software program you can't run your business without? I think three main things would be like a good CRM. Yeah. It helps, you know, it makes your job a lot more easier. You know, everything's a lot more efficient. You can plan out your day, your week, you know, your future follow-ups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've got a really good CRM tool. So that's one thing. I guess a good organizational communication platform. So we use Slack. 
Yeah. Well, just within your organization, right? Because obviously this job is not, you know, a lone wolf in this job. You got a whole team you need support from. So I think it's quite good to have a nice yeah. organizational, yeah, communication. And, and any, any other ones that you use? And what do you use for CRM? We use, it's a New Zealand-based CRM, but it's called GetTrail. Okay. It's really, really helpful, yeah. And then you use Slack. Slack. Anything else? Well, just, I guess, a good template tool. So a lot of our emails would be templated. So just having those templates ready to go is quite useful. So are you thinking like A-Text or something? We use Yesware. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yesware. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We use that for our emails and we use like text templates for our texts. Right. What's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? <sighs> yeah. 20 calls a day. <laughs> 20 calls a day. That's 20 it. calls a day. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So knowing what you know now, if you're starting over again, what would you do different? That's a tough one. I mean, you did find 170 million. I don't know what I could tell you to do different. Uh, that's a, <laughs> an obscene number of mortgages. Yeah, I'd say one thing would be to not say yes to everything. <laughs> say a lot of yeses, but not to everything because that can bring a lot of stress on you if you say yes to everything. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to know when you're starting out though. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always say you say yes to everything and then the busier you get, you start making a no-go list and you just start mm -hmm. making that list. The more volume you do, the longer the list gets and the more yeah. refined, the more specialized and focused you become and the easier your job gets. That's right. You go from like being a, they call them like a doctor in Canada, it's called a GP, general practitioner. You go from a yeah. GP to a specialist. So from that yeah, to yeah, like yeah. keep specializing. And in Canada, the specialists make all the money. I mean, GPs oh, make yeah. big money, but like That's right. specialists make the big money because- That's the same here in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's the same. It's more education, more focus. And I think it's actually easier rather than trying to know a little bit about everything. Mm. You know, I've got a friend who's a heart surgeon. He says, I'm just a plumber. I'm like, well, I wouldn't say that. Like he does, he does open heart surgery and uh, he just said, fix leaks. I'm like, yeah, you're being a little too humble, man. That's like, but in any case, it's a longer yeah. road, but it's also ultimately, I think as a mortgage, broker, rewarding, yeah. we need yeah. to be more specialized as things right. get more complex. Right. This has been awesome. Where can people find you online if they're looking for you? Just a website, www.mhq.co.nz. Yeah. So yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes to this. So Ziang, this has been awesome, brother. Getting to know you a little bit. Congrats yeah. on your success. I don't know how you're going to outdo 170 million. Maybe you will. Like, are you on track to beat that this year or how's it going? Nah, nah. I wouldn't say nowhere near, but I'll be happy if I get maybe even three quarters of that this year. Right. Well, um, because some of the rule changes and stuff are going to make a big difference. A lot of difference. Yeah. So it's a lot harder to get money these days and house prices are higher. So I think there's a smaller sweet spot where we can get the loans. Approved. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah. good chatting with you and awesome to get to know you. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks again for listening to my conversation with Yang. So even though a little different, right? You know, New Zealand, different market and stuff. There's always an angle. There's always a way to like learn something from these conversations. And I absolutely love that I get to have them. And hopefully you find them as useful and interesting as I do. And yeah, it's just some great little nuggets there from Ziyang. If you're a new mortgage broker and you're like, man, how do I get my business going? I can tell you the best way to do that would be to go to rookie2rockstar.ca. We have a webinar there where we show you exactly how we help new agents find and fund their first 10 mortgages faster than anybody with support that you won't find anywhere else. Check out rookie2rockstar.ca and check out this conversation I have with Ben. Hey Ben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Thanks Scott, good to be back. So, hey, let's talk about using reverse mortgage for debt consolidation. So improving, you know, monthly cash flow, clearing up debts, because this is something that you guys are seeing more and more of with clients reaching out to you. So why don't you give me some thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I really do feel that reverse mortgages are oftentimes like really the best possible solution for debt consolidation for older borrowers for a few reasons. 
like, so reason number one would be that for us, you know, credit is just not that important, right? So if you get yourself in trouble in terms of, you know, running late on mortgage payments, you know, running up late balances on a bunch of your sort of unsecured trades and your credit takes a hit as a result, and you're, you know, a senior who doesn't have that much income to fix that solution and you're in a sort of a bad credit situation, a reverse mortgage is a good solution because we aren't that fussed about credit, right? Because we don't care about, you know, your ability to make monthly payments because there are no monthly payments. You know, we deal with customers that have bad credit. We did a reverse mortgage for somebody with a 564 the other day. We've done reverse mortgages for people with, you know, credit scores in the 400s. Frankly, we do reverse mortgages for people with no credit score, which is, you know, sometimes the case for older borrowers. So, you know, number one is just that if you run into credit trouble, we can still work with you. Right. There's no difference. Okay. What's the second sort of point about this? So second one is that income also is not that important for the same reason, right? Because we don't care about your ability to pay down the mortgage. A lot of the kind of B20 guidelines, TDS, all that kind of stuff is just not as applicable to us. All we need to be confident in is that you have the financial wherewithal to make your property tax payments, your home insurance payments, and keep your home in good repair. So we don't need you know, a lot of income, which is obviously key for older borrowers. Right. Okay. So credit is not important. No credit, low credit. Income, you guys don't look at that again. So what will be the next kind of thing people need to think about when it comes to debt consolidation and a reverse yeah. mortgage? Yeah. So the next one would be that, you know, our customers can actually get a lot of money and probably more money with a reverse mortgage than it would be able to get with any other type of financing solution for somebody in their situation, right? We can lend up to 1.5 million. You know, you can wipe out a lot of existing mortgage debt, a lot of, you know, unsecured trades and potentially property tax arrears or whatever with that kind of money. So it's a powerful solution in terms of being able to really clear the slate for customers. Right. So you can really get back to like, you know, improving that cash flow. And again, if you're on a fixed income, so this is a quick recap. So credit, as you said, not important because you don't have monthly payments. Credit scores don't really matter. Income, same thing. The key thing you guys are looking for is that they can make sure they can pay their property taxes and insurance. But beyond that, they're not going to have a mortgage payment, so they don't need to debt service that. And then finally, loan size. Because of the way you guys do this and the areas that you're in, you guys can do up to $1.5 in a mortgage, and that can make a huge difference. So can you give me an example of somebody that you guys worked with recently and like kind of what their situation was like before and after you guys worked your magic? Yeah, yeah. So we just did a deal last week with somebody who lived in Barrie. His house appraised out at about 600 k he had run into a bit of trouble. He still had a fair bit of mortgage debt left on his property. He'd maxed out, you know, a number of, you know, unsecured trades, visa cards, et cetera. So he was looking at, a, you know, a pretty serious sort of balances that he was dealing with. The gentleman only had about $3,000 of monthly, you know, total take-home income. And about $1,500 of that was going to, you know, various forms of debt service. And so this kind of brings me probably like to the last point is that a reverse mortgage for debt consolidation is a real solution, right? It's not just kicking the can down the road. Basically, like what we did with this customer was we wiped out everything. We wiped out the mortgage. We wiped out everything he had in his bureau. But by the time we were done with sort of paying out all the debts he had, he had nothing left that he needed to make monthly payments on. So you're looking at, you know, $3,000 of the income, half of which was going to debt service. Now he's taking 100% of that home, right? Like that fundamentally transformed that gentleman's retirement, right? Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. and, and his life. And again, like it's set it and forget it. That's done now, right? And he's not going to have to make a payment on a reverse mortgage. So really, we solved the problem and really just didn't kick the can down the road with maybe a suboptimal financing solution. Right. And sometimes in this case, you put a private solution in place, but what's the exit? And then next year they pay a renewal fee and it doesn't always make sense to do that type of mortgage anyway. So, hey, Ben, thanks again for chatting with me. I don't think people realize that, you know, using reverse mortgage for debt consolidation is something that they often consider. But if you guys are listening to this, a couple quick things. First, go to bloomfin.ca. Ben and his team can help you with getting this put together. One of the cool things is because they really understand this product, they understand how to talk to these clients. If you have a client that needs help, they'll actually do the work and they'll still pay you. So it's fantastic. 
and they just rolled out into BC. So obviously that as they continue to expand into other provinces, we'll let you guys know. So check them out. Ben, thanks so much for chatting with me and check out bloomfin.ca. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to this conversation today with Yang and Ben. One last thing, if you are trying to find some ideas for your mortgage business, I recommend you go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, set up a free power search tool, and you can keyword search all of the past episodes and literally find to the moment when somebody talks about first-time buyer, realtor, refinance, any keyword you can think of, reverse mortgage, and it'll take you right to that moment. You can listen to it and sharpen up your skills. It's totally free. Check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.